When you want somebody gone and you don't want to wait too long, call the immediate murder professionals. And grenade or cyanide will make it look like suicide. The immediate murder professionals. We do our job so well because we come straight up from hell. This is going to be TV party tonight on Hell of a Boss. Uh, it's going to be season one, episode four, five, six, and seven. Folks, that's Alexis Haina. I'm Jesse Starcher. We're doing TV party tonight on Hell of a Boss. Like I said, season, still season one. We're just catching up, like I said, from episodes four, five, six, and seven. It's Hell of a Boss. It's Vivzy Pop. How excited were you when the first episode, well, let's make that a Episode four dropped when March it was March 14th, 2021. So this this has been going on for a while now. This is almost over a year that that episode dropped. But you were you me and you both love the original pilot, along with the first three episodes of Hell of a Boss. Season one, episode four drops in March. Uh, I mean, are you are you just so glad it's continuing? What were your thoughts? Absolutely. Of course, uh, you guys need to go back. If you uh, are unfamiliar with our previous uh, recording, go check that out. Plug, plug. Uh, right. We had really left it off saying that I both, I think we both agreed that Lululand was our favorite episode at that time. End of the show, whether or not that's changed. Uh, but still, it, the great thing about the show is that every episode is, I mean, I'm sorry. I know this sounds like we're just going to, we're just getting down here on our knees going all hail Vivzy Pop because we're just <laughs> this stuff is but it really is and every episode is better than the last i love this show so much and episode four is hilarious we get our first look at heaven we get our first look at the cherubs that's right you know the angels does it make you want to cry when your loved one has to die does it hurt you through and through when your face is turning blue well luckily for you there's something we can do we can help keep them alive so you can watch them thrive We get a couple of new, we get a new contract kill for the imps. They are sent to kill Lyle Lipton, a famous inventor. Uh, They are hired by his former partner. They had apparently built a machine to reverse the aging process. but The age of fire. Yeah, and they screwed up and sent it into reverse. So the first, so the one dude <laughs> inventor dies of old age. The other one, Lipton, is still alive. He is insanely old. Yes, yeah. So this this story is great. Where we have okay, just like you said, we get the the cherubs. You know, this is like the alternate <laughs> imps, if you will, where they're going around trying to show everybody just how enjoyable life can be and there's no reason why you would want to leave the life that you're living it was it lyle lipton who wants to kill himself but the cherubs of course interfere the imps who have been you know, we got blitz we've got millie we got moxie they're set out on the task of trying to make sure that this guy dies in some kind of horrible way and that of course is where they butt heads with the cherubs a couple of things that stand out to me in this episode it's funny to watch the cherubs try to show this old man, this old decrepit old man who just wants to die, <laughs> uh, that how much is out there for him. Why would you want to leave this place? You know, check out, look at, look at the innocence of children. Um, so the cherubs like show him how young children are enjoying Santa. You know, it, it's Santa Claus, but the imps have got to come right in there and show him like, okay, this guy's a perv. <laughs> <laughs> now they've got to try and ruin everything uh, that the cherubs keep trying to show. But the real, I mean, I think one of my favorite parts of this episode 
is we we actually I think my favorite parts throughout this whole season, uh, the latter part of this season, I should say, these episodes we're covering are the fight scenes. Like I don't know what it is. The animation, of course, we agree one hundred percent is fantastic. But when it when they start throwing down, you know, the cherubs are are fighting in the opera house with the imps. What a I mean, there are some great scenery going on there. There is some great animation. And it's almost like you want to go back and watch it just to see what you've missed because you know you missed something. There's that much detail and that much love put into the animation that watching it a second time, you're going to see stuff you didn't see before because your eye was trying to catch everything, but you couldn't the first time. My other note for the episode is when at the very end, they finally get, I think the cherubs actually kill, not intentionally, but they end up killing Lyle Lipton with a piano. And you said it was like a perfect gag, which is, uh, it's a perfect cartoon gag. Exactly. Um, It is classic Looney Tunes down to the fact that Lyle Lipton, he's killed by a falling piano and we see his demon form in hell. He's got piano keys for teeth. This is (laughs) classic uh, Looney Tunes, Hanna-Barbera gag. You know, you, you saw Wile E. Coyote or Sylvester the Cat or Elmer Fudd get hit with a piano and they'd always have piano keys for teeth and they'd hit a couple of notes before they passed out. And I and at the minute I saw I'm like, oh my God, that's hilarious. Another yeah. thing I do bring up with the fight scene also, this is something that doesn't get talked about a lot, I noticed, but not only how great the cinematography is on animating the fight scenes, but how good the music is. Although, admittedly, it does raise a question because before that the opera singer was dead, but now we have an opera singer in the background while they're fighting, so everyone's going, wait, I thought she was dead. (laughs) It's really cool. They've got this beautiful opera uh, singer in the background just... I, I have absolutely no idea what she's singing, uh, but it, it works so well with the fight uh, choreography, and it, it just really uh, stays with you. The the music on this show cannot be talked about enough. It is very well done. It's also clear that Vivzy Pop is a fan of musicals, considering not only how many uh, Broadway stars she has gotten to perform on this show, but there's even a little gag in, in this episode that I love. Uh, you get uh, the cherubs showing Lipton the great outdoors and the wonder of nature, and the imps, of course, who still have not gotten those human disguises. <laughs> right. This time they're dressed as cats, and if you know anything about Broadway, you realize they're dressed specifically as Victoria, Mr. Mistopheles, and Rum Tug Tugger from the. Oh music. no! I didn't notice that. That's great. Wow. I will say I am hoping that we do see more of heaven in this. We only get a few brief shots of it. It's very beautifully designed. Something about the curvature kind of reminds me of the designs that we saw in the Disney's Hercules. You know, it has a very Scarface feel to it. It's very lovely. A lot of pastels, very nicely done. I do love how insanely passive aggressive the cherubs are to each other. You, you <laughs> show and saying yeah no you can't come oh my god that accent that (laughs) minnesota you know that's busy pop voicing deary oh no i didn't know that that's great yeah she's the one voicing the deer telling her uh her employees through the most passive no they gotta stay on earth (laughs) yeah you look at I, i was paying attention to the design of the cherubs versus the imps and of course, you know, it's heaven versus hell here. Uh, you're looking at something that's supposed to look sort of demonic versus the cherubs who, what what do we have? Like one of them's like a lamb 
and the other one may be a goat. I don't know. That there Maybe there's a pony involved there. I don't have them in front of me now. I wish I did. But, you know, they're these cutesy, cuddly creatures, of course. The cherubs are definitely... And I... I'm starting to realize that I, I should have known this at the beginning, but we're going to, we're definitely going to get some reappearances from some people. So I'm sure the cherubs have got to show up back. Uh, they got to show back up. You want them to anyway. I want this story to continue. I want them to be like so dejected and so upset. The fact that they can't get back into heaven, <laughs> they start figuring out a way to work with the imps in order to do something to get revenge or something. Um, I don't know if that's how it's going to work, but I love the introduction of the cherubs here. It was pretty cool. I will admit, like I said, the fourth episode's good, but it is probably the least impactful, I would say, of the first season. That is, I, I feel so horrible for saying that, because like I said, all of these episodes are so good and so much fun. But there are a lot of these episodes that are definitely focusing more on how they're going to build up for the plot. Right. And- second season we're laying a lot of groundwork on things that are being built up things that are being set up characters that are returning and while we do hope to see the cherubs in heaven again i would say this episode is probably the one that has the least impact on the overall story so good but yeah it's got and unfortunately just by that it has to be at the bottom of the totem pole did we figure out what cherubs stood for they never say again. Th- another thing I need to—I'm trying to figure this out because I am not a music theorist in any way. But I'm like ninety percent certain that the cherub theme song is like a different key on, but it's the same notes as the IMP th- theme song. Ah, nice. I Very think nice. it. Again, not a music theorist. I'm kind of tone deaf, but hearing it's like, I swear to God, it's the same song. They're just playing it in in a different key. So employees of Cherub, you already talked about Deary, but the three that we get to see mainly in this episode are Cletus, who appears to be an angelic lamb, maybe? Uh, Do they have any of that spirit? Well, the species is Cherub Angel. Well, okay. All right. Maybe it's not. (laughs) Like traditional Cherub. Yeah. Okay. And then... Colin, that definitely looks like a horse of some sort. Horse, goat, something like that. Yes, a nice purple shade to Colin there. And then Keeney, that looks like a lamb. Come on, tell me that's uh, Keeney who has these these blonde hair. Uh, There you go. Yeah, it's uh, Cletus, Colin, and Keeney, uh, the cherubs in here. And I've clicked on cherub, and I will tell you that they do not have any explanation as to what cherub stands for here i'm double checking just to make sure i didn't miss something wow that's a that is a wiki right there (laughs) (laughs) i mean just clicking cherub uh and the has been hotel.fandom.com and i mean my goodness it is full well y'all do your own research you can figure it out if we if i figure it out maybe i'll put it in post edit look at that nice little uh jingle all right so here we go Top few comments here. Uh, can we all just accept that the fact that Millie rocks every outfit <laughs> and she does with authority. Um, mm-hmm. What is what is possibly the greatest gift of all? This is a quote. And this this is the old man with money. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, indeed. I love that when he's, when he's saying goodbye to his one true love and he's kissing the picture. It's not just a picture of money. It's a it's from I stock photo. <laughs> watermark on it he's too freaking cheap to even pay for it he downloaded it with the watermark uh yes yes uh and then somebody says that shut up furry was the best line in the episode so uh, (laughs) shut up furry 
let's go ahead and we'll move on to episode five. So episode five, uh, I don't know if, yeah, yeah, I went through, obviously the title of uh, episode four was Cherub. We get into episode five. This is the Harvest Moon Festival. Pretty much there is a festival that uh, Stolas wants to go to. It takes place in Millie's hometown. It's they not want- just Millie's hometown. This is, okay, so majority of times we're in a imp city or on Earth. We've also gone to, it's been confirmed that Lululand takes place in, I think it's either greed or gluttony as far as the rings of hell, but it is confirmed that uh, the Harvest Moon Festival takes place in the Wrath Ring, which is where both Millie and Moxie and, are. That's right, yeah, yeah. So Moxie is kind of intent or at least wants to kind of impress Millie's parents. So we meet Millie's parents and Millie's Millie's parents have kind of always looked down on Moxie. There's a celebration called the Pain Games, a bunch of competitions. Moxie to kind of show how much of a uh, macho man he is. Um, macho imp. He says, oh, yeah, I can do these things. So there's like there's like all these games. Now, I'm I'm kind of dancing around the fact that they hire uh, Millie's parents hired a new ranch hand. And I'm going to let you kind of do the introduction as to who this ranch hand is. Yeah, this is Stryker, voiced by Norman Reedus. Right. Going from nothing else, he is one of the main stars of The Walking Dead. He has been in several movies. He is freaking awesome. He's also known to those of us in the convention circuit as as being the one who had such a huge freaking entourage that they had to shut down the uh, celebrity pit for a while. (laughs) Really now? Well, that's... That's what we were told by mm-hmm. the orders. Uh, there's some conflicting stories, but yeah, there, there's always a joke about Norman Reedus and the size of his entourage. That's so funny. yes, we so we got uh, so we got the 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 Harvest Moon Festival. That yes, apparently Stolas has to make an appearance as it's one of his royal duties, mm-hmm. and. Uh, he invites uh, Blitz and the crew along with them. He is like, you know, why don't you guys come with me? You know, we'll, we'll have a good time. It's it's just a little, you know, it's like you don't have to worry about protecting me. I'm, I'm not hiring you guys as bodyguards again. You know, nice little call back to Lululand. <laughs> and yeah, they're staying with Millie's family. There's a really great line between Millie and her sister, Sally May, because Millie is not allowed to participate in the pain games because she... <laughs> freaking as a body count oh that's right yeah and i like and she, the i think the first is like the first time we see her she's dragging a body behind her like you, yeah. she's still doing it <laughs> yeah so she, yeah, millie gets like how come sally may still gets to compete your sister doesn't have a neighborhood head count she so does and her sister walks by and goes it doesn't count if they don't find the bodies <laughs> <laughs> that, that to my sister. I'm like, tell me that's not you and me. And she's like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Yeah, that uh, there's the games. I wrote down the games that at least that we get to see. Um, there's the wall crawl, a tug of war, and I believe mud wrestling because <laughs> there's uh, it looks like at least they're struggling in some mud. But the greatest gag of all that was like almost every single one of them ended with a shark attack. I still remember the time I saw it. I actually shouted, whoa, hell shark. <laughs> uh, the mud wrestling one is what cracked me up because I'm like, well, OK, they're going to drop the gag. Right. And, you know, they they do the perfect timing 
like there's enough beats that go by where like, okay, well, obviously the shark's not going to show up again. And then all of a sudden you see the shark just jump out of nowhere, dropping an elbow. And you're like, yes, okay, that's perfect. On that is just absolutely perfect. So, yes, Blitz, Moxie, and Striker all enter the games. Uh, yeah, Moxie gets his poor ass handed to him repeatedly, yeah. mostly by the shark. And, yeah, it becomes clear that Striker is just sort of this perfect male, at least in the eyes of Millie's parents. Oh, yeah. And he has no qualms about showing up Moxie and making him look bad. Right. I mean, the the song uh, where he gets on stage and he's just singing a song and you're like, oh, this is kind of neat. You know, it, it look, it's kind of like he's trying to impress uh, Millie in some way or at least impress everybody else that he's better than Moxie. Everything I do. But then, you know, he like overtly says something along the lines of like, you know, fuck you, Moxie. And it's like you're he has no yeah, like you said, no qualms trying to show <laughs> that he is the alpha, uh, the alpha now. And well, we find out some really interesting stuff, interesting stuff about Stryker, because what you soon learn is that Stryker is actually trying to kill Stolas. You're wondering, like, well, oh, oh God, once the imps find out, this is certainly going to go, you know, we're, we're going to have another, we're going to have ourselves a good fight on our hands. But what I love is, like, Stryker and Blitz kind of form this kinship throughout the episode. And when he finds out that he's going to kill Stolas, Blitz, like, at first you're like, what is he going to do? And then Stryker says, hey, why don't you join me? We could do these things. And Blitz looks like he's thinking about it. And then finally, I think it's, Moxie, who appears, who's finally had enough of uh, Striker's shit, and he he shows up, and Blitz is like, "I've been waiting for you to get here." And then then it all hits the fan. You kind of wonder about Blitz and if he cares for Stolas or if he's just his plaything, or vice versa, I should say. But there's definitely a physical relationship between the two, but you don't know if there's much of an emotional one, especially on Blitz's side of things. That kind of plays into that a little bit. This whole like, hey, why don't you join me? And then you're wondering like, well, Blitz, this no, nothing, nothing can redeem Blitz if he allies himself with Striker. But uh, he wipes that all away in that two seconds. As soon as as Moxie shows up and he's like, I've been waiting for you to get here. You're like, okay, this makes sense. At the end of this episode, we find out that Striker was hired, <laughs> hired by uh, Stolas's wife. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is probably one of my favorite episodes of season one. Firstly, there's a note that I didn't catch until, okay, I'm going to admit, I've watched each of these episodes at least 20 times. <laughs> I will just put the whole season one on play on autoplay while I'm working in my office. When Stryker first comes down and they're talking about to, and they're talking about, you know, it's like killing a, you know, it's like killing someone in war. Bl or Moxie mentions something about, how there have actually been okay so we have learned over the course of this season that moxie's specialty is firearms mm -hmm. is, is a he is a perfect shot he is really good with guns and he makes a comment about angelic technology that was recovered in wars with heaven and used actually to develop new weapons on hell's side 
which is kind of an interesting play on how, you know, we take technology from an opposing force and we adapt it into our own. There, there, there is something there. And the gun that Stryker is using is an angelic gun because right. it has to be something like that to kill demon royals. A regular, uh, just regular pistol is not going to kill Stolas. It has to have more firepower. And I just, and I was like, holy crap, Moxie literally dropped a Chekhov's gun. <laughs> right. That does a great job of filling out the mythology of this universe. Uh, granted, it's, Makes sense, makes complete sense uh, for that to be something in order uh, to harm a demon. Strike. Uh, this is Moxie's episode, in my opinion. We know that Moxie has a big heart, and it, it's shown in this episode how much he really, really loves Millie. I mean, he wants to make her family proud. He wants to make her proud. Uh, but when it's all said and done, Stryker is definitely a little more capable than Moxie. Uh, as a matter of fact, he ends up like taking both of them prisoner and throwing them both down into a basement. And he has, she ends, I think Millie ends up getting her leg stuck in a bear trap and Moxie's got to try and go face Stryker on his own. Uh, but he heads up for a second about Millie's reaction when she finds Stryker attacking Moxie. Cause okay. A little bit of brilliant strategy on Moxie's behalf. He's stuck in, an, in a uh, chokehold. He can't get out. He breaks a lamp in the room. He manages to break it. Not because to he knows it's not going to stop Stryker, but he knows Millie's going to hear it. And when oh. Millie, and the noise that woman makes when she <laughs> starts stabbing Stryker, just that, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a, a high tone growl almost it's it's creepy it's yeah it's, it's unnerving like, what is that noise right striker by the way it doesn't meet his end here striker is going to come back he's the the stinger at the end of this episode was him on the phone with strikers on the phone with stella talking about this failed attempt uh so we're pretty certain as a matter of fact did you see the trailer for next season for season two of course <laughs> Another thing I want to talk about with uh, episode five, though, and this is actually really important, is uh, the character of Sally May, uh, who was okay. Donna. Uh, I, oh God, I hope I'm pronouncing your last name right. Ingus. I, I, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. It's, it's spelled I G N I S. Uh, Morgana is trans, and it. If you actually look at Sally May, she is a trans character because all of the male imps have thick black and white stripes on their horns, and all of the female imps have black horns with thin white stripes but that is really cool how they added that in with this awesome character and again sally may is only on she, she's only got like four lines in this whole episode she's hilarious as hell but oh. the fan reaction to her has been so so great there's so much fan art of her and people love that we have a trans character in the show and i am so happy that vivzy went around and included that and that she has got such a positive reaction and i do love the way morgana delivers her lines just you know when moxie says he's going to enter the pain game she just leans over to millie and goes how pissed would you be if i voted on him or if i bet on him dying <laughs> <laughs> that's such a great line i love it and again just something about that whole it's like doesn't count if they don't find the bodies of like again that reminds me so much of something my sister and i would say to each other <laughs> uh that's great i i specifically took a picture uh of stolas at the beginning of this episode because for some reason and i don't know why now that i look at it i should have I, I i didn't 
I don't know why I didn't pick this up, but I thought he had a necklace on. Oh, that's an odd-looking necklace. Oh, that is a ball gag. Whoops. Oh, funny stuff. Yeah, uh, we we don't see what he had sto- what he and Blitz were up to, but he was <laughs> we tied could... up with a ball gag. <laughs> right, right. We could probably figure this out. That's all I really had. I mean, I really I I enjoyed the episode. I had a good time. It was um you know it. I, I again, I think what spoke to me most about episode five was Moxie's heart and how much he loves Millie and the fact he'll do anything for her, basically. And and that is a theme that we've talked about on our previous episode. We love this couple. It really is hashtag couple goals. Couple <laughs> right. Couple goals. I, we love seeing these two together and we will talk more about these two. Uh, with oh, yeah. Our main episodes. But yeah, this is probably one of my absolute favorites. I just. I should also note that seeing the Wrath Ring was really cool. They go out of this way to give a real feel to each of these rings, these locations. There's one shot, I have no idea how to describe this, but it's a background shot. It looks like volcanoes with miniature suns over them. Mm. It's so weird. I don't know how to describe it, but it's beautiful. And it really does lend this feel that being in the Wrath Ring is so different from being at Lululand or being in Imp City. Mm-hmm. Again, credit to the background artist for really coming up with that. Top comments here. Millie is glad she caught the flower toss at her brother's wedding because then she got to marry Moxie, and that is just too cute. Oh, that's uh, yeah, that's a great line. When she, she's got her arm broken, her legs in the freaking bear trap. And she goes, she's like, I got worse than this when I caught at my brother's wedding, but I caught the bouquet and it was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, and now I think we're all going, God, I would have loved to have seen that. (laughs) The second one says, I like how Blitzo makes dirty jokes left and right, but can't seem to comprehend what that's what she said means. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The next one, next one says, how come nobody's talking about how fucking cool Stryker is? Even if he's the main antagonist of this episode, he's got to be one of my favorite enemies in this series so far. I would probably agree with that. I think that he is... Who else has been an antagonist in this series? I assume we're had Fizz. We've had Verosica. Verosica, that's right, that's right. I, I'm I'm gonna lean Striker. I really like Striker. I mean, he's just evil enough. He's kind of like, uh, he, he, of course, he's he's got this machismo about him. I'll have to agree with that comment. So fucking cool. Uh, the fan arts uh, that came out for him would definitely agree. I'm just gonna say this: the speed that amazing fan art comes out for Vivzy Pop's fans. Do people scare me sometimes? (laughs) (laughs) So those who don't follow uh, Vivzy on Twitter or any other social media, uh, they have been dropping teasers for her other series that's coming out. This is Has Been Hotel. This got picked up by A24. It's going to be an official series. Nice. Uh, Now, all we've gotten out of this was the pilot episode. And I think we mentioned this in the previous podcast when we talked about it. The pilot episode dropped and it has record views and is still trending and is still just crazy popular. I don't think a a web series pilot like that had reached that level of popularity ever. 
So Vizzy has been dropping little teasers, mostly uh, official character designs. Now, some of the characters have had to have minor redesigns, probably just for the sake of the animators making it a little easier or making them stand out from the backgrounds or something. Uh, For example, uh, one of the main characters, uh, she wears a tuxedo, and in the pilot, it's a red tuxedo jacket and black pants. In her redesign, they changed it so it's red red top and red pants. Okay. You know, and I don't know why they changed it, but whatever, no big deal. But they've been dropping these little redesigns every couple of months or so, and the speed that the fan art comes out, the minute it drops, I'm just sitting there going, it's like, how are you people making art this fast? That's crazy. This previous week, like before we recorded this, it was an, a, a very brief uh, gif was dropped showing Stolas's father. The demon Paimon. Credit to those who have been researching their demonology. You know, Paimon is on the higher, uh, well, hierarchy of demons over Stolas. And you don't get a fully good look at him. But again, less than 24 hours later, all the fan art of Paimon. <laughs> just all of these drawings, all these comics, all of these paintings. Just wow. So credit to you guys who are able to churn out such amazing work so fast you make my head spin yeah i want to i want to point something out here because i just noticed this when i sat down now one of the things that i did when i was making my notes i was going through these episodes i created you know i created a document here so i could put my notes on it just like any google doc well one of the things i was doing was copying the title from youtube along with the views and the date it was uploaded okay um so episode the episode that we are talking about, episode five. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's let let's just look at that real quick. I created the document June nineteenth, so that is five days ago. Now June nineteenth, we had a total of twenty fourth million five hundred thirty one thousand five hundred thirteen views. Now at this point in time, twenty four million six hundred eight thousand. So what that means is. Quick math, that's about 70,000 views in five days, just on that one episode, on episode five. Now, the point that I'm getting to is still a rabid fan base, still a lot of people who are, you know, are are watching this. Do you think it's like, I mean, it's got to be like social media word of mouth, right? Like how much people love this they're telling others? Like Pretty much. It has to be. I mean, this isn't something that, I mean... I, I don't see this kind of thing getting talked about on TV or and or maybe some, there are obviously going to be some articles in various news outlets about this. Social media is how I was introduced to it. Uh, I was introduced to it because somebody wrote on a uh, convention vendors board uh, in 2020 asking how many people were going to do has been hotel and hell of a boss cosplays before the shutdown started and I was just like, Oh, well, I wonder what that is. And that's how I got into it. It's still continuously trending on Twitter and it's still getting shared constantly. There's a ton of YouTubers who are reviewing episodes, discussing it. They, Oh my God, there are um, the amount of people who are just discussing theories that possibly come up in future episodes. Right. Well, let's go ahead. We'll get into episode six here. This is titled truth seekers. This dropped back in August of 2021. I like this one. I'm an X-Files guy. And now, granted, loose parallels here, trust me. But there is an organization that is, their sole purpose is to, I guess, 
right now we'll just say confirmation of uh, the demonic world of hell uh, because they're called the dorks. D-H-O-R-K. And I did have that listed as to what that meant. No, I did not. So anyway, this is an organization very much like a suit and tie men in black type thing that is trying to go out and capture demons. And they end up uh, getting Moxie and Blitz captured here. Now, this episode gets weird. And I think that's on purpose. Um, and I might need you to kind of hold my hand and maybe explain to me some of the stuff that's going on. But we've got Moxie and Blitz who get captured by the dorks. Uh, the dorks then subject them to, I wouldn't call it torture, but they start gassing them. They they get into a, an argument and uh, that, that doesn't go well for them. They get into like they're trying to like uh, interrogate them. I guess you'd say it's hilarious that Blitz and Moxie are not faced. I mean, they're a little scared, but they know exactly how to screw back with these guys. Right, right. <laughs> to the point that they, to, I, I used to love. What is it? Mox, uh, Blitz says it's like, look, if you we just woke up from a very bad shock, so why don't you do us a favor and get us some coffee? You know, Moxie, what do you want? And Moxie goes, was. I want a Neapolitan cappuccino more cappuccino foam latte. It's just this crazy huge list of what he wants. Right. <laughs> to the point that they actually wrote on Twitter, people, please don't ask your average uh, barista <laughs> for Moxie's order. Okay, we don't want to, you know, torture these poor people. Oh, uh, it's funny. Like They're obviously turning the tables on their interrogators, and then the interrogators are like, oh, all right, screw this. Uh, and so they hit them with this gas that causes them to hallucinate, we get a good look at the inner goings on in their in Blitz and Moxie's mind. Um, and if you have an interpretation of what happens, I'll do my best to kind of explain what we see. Mox on Moxie's end of things, I, I mean, we we first see Blitz singing to him, which we get another great pair of songs, if I remember correctly. It's either one song or two songs that happen here, while Moxie's is, Moxie is trying to converse with Blitz, who's up by this large organ piano uh and then it, moxie starts singing it just kind of goes from there it, it's a truth serum that they get hit with by the way so this is but it's obviously doped up to truth serum because they are tripping they are tripping blitz on the other hand do you have any idea what his vision was about because i remember like i felt kind of sad for him it is Really weird. Well, first of all, I think it's important to point out that Moxie's trip was actually animated by a different studio. Uh, it was oh. called Chaos Emporium Incorporated. This show got this episode got delayed due to working on this one. And uh, visiting the crew said, you know, it's like, guys, we're trying something different with this episode. So we're sorry that it's taking so long to get out, blah, blah, blah. Because, th yeah, this that whole sequence was you can tell it was done by a different studio and it's a different animation style. It almost has, I hate to say, like a Disney feel oh, to it. It's, it's very beautiful, but it's clearly different. Moxie and Blitz go through very different trips. Yeah, they do. Blitz is, is it is kind of bad. It's basically being forced to confront all of his insecurities. You hear things, uh, you, he sees uh, a version of Moxie saying something to him. It's like, are you, it's like, you are you just rude to me? So you'll scare me off. You know, it's like, it's like, are you worried that eventually Millie and I will take off and leave you? He sees versions of Stryker, Fizzarelli and Verasica. There's a scene where he's getting they're they're all kind of disappearing into a tornado, and you hear all of them saying, "You're gonna die alone, Blitzo." Right, 
what we're getting a good look at is Blitz's subconscious. We're, we're seeing one of his truths laid bare. Uh, and I, yeah, I mean, I think that that's one of his fears, which, you know, when we talk about this next episode, they possibly confirm that. I don't know, but you could, but as rough as he is on the outside of things, there is clearly something damaged inside of him. And I think we kind of get our look at that. And we, we see that he definitely is, you know, he, he has some insecurities. He, he feels like he could possibly die alone. Um, and that's, I mean, my goodness, that's a valid fear in my opinion. Um, I don't know how an imp would die, but I'm sure that they could possibly pull it off somehow. <laughs> There's uh, the other thing that I had listed here is Moxie scared of rejection. Uh, but I also put also likes getting pegged. <laughs> <laughs> it's said over and over, okay? <laughs> yeah, I, that's, the, that's the way they test if it's an airborne truth, sir. Ask me something I wouldn't tell you the truth about. Does Millie peg you? Sometimes. Ew, why that? <laughs> do it. Uh, that's great. But the this might possibly be, of these episodes we're talking about, this might possibly have one of my favorite scenes of all time out of what we've seen so far. And that is when Luna and Millie show up. And there is a there is a fight scene that goes on for long enough. And there is so much blood. <laughs> there is so much carnage, so much chaos uh, because they show up and they've got to re rescue. They've got to try and rescue Moxie and Blitz. Uh, and like dorks are just dying left and right, getting sawed in half, <laughs> losing heads. It's perfection, in my opinion. I loved watching that. The dorks, all they want is just confirmation that hell exists. And boy, do they get it. What'd you think about Stola showing up here at the end? That entrance is going down as one of my absolute favorite moments in the series. I still remember when that came out, I was working a convention. I could, I, I saw that it was announced on uh, Twitter and Facebook. I'm like, nope, nope, I'm not going to look at it. I'm going to wait till I get home so Andre and I can watch it together. So you can get to see, they, they kill as many dorks as they can and they say they're going to get out of there. But the first two agents who on the credits are, by the way, listed as Agent 1 and Agent 2, <laughs> um, managed to trigger a last-minute trap to hold them in. And they're also flashing a red light inside. So uh, Moxie tells Luna she she's brought the book with them, the book they, um, that Stolas has loaned them to get in and out of the human world. But because of the light, she can't read the spell. And they've pretty much used up all of their weapons at this point and more agents are coming in and they have absolutely no idea what they're going to do. And all of a sudden just things start going weird and you can't tell what it is. The shadows, you know, shadows and changing lights are changing. Agent two gets possessed and you see the corpses of the dead agents rising and drawing a, a demonic seal on the ground. And the way Stolas takes control of agent two and what's the line? It's like, What's the matter, Demon Hunter? Never seen a real demon before. Oh man! And just that the four. Oh my God! I think I actually yelled out, "Yes, fuck them! <laughs> I'm Stolas!" Oh my <laughs> God! I wanted to just. It's so. It's horror movie quality. Right, right, right. My that one agent gets taken over, possessed by Stolas. It is horrifying. <laughs> it's unreal. Like there's blood flying everywhere. Her head's turning backwards. It is frightening right it really is and it, but it is so cool and we have just the briefest moment of seeing stolas in i don't know if you call it his true demonic form his angry demonic form i don't know what you call it but he is 
scary as hell. He's just this massive, swirling creature just staring down these two agents. Oh, my God. It's so cool. And, of course, we also have the fact that for the first time, Stolas does not bleep himself. He is that pissed off. Right. And he lets them live, if I remember correctly. They live. I mean, even the possessed agent, I believe, is still alive at the end of this. Um, Yeah, he says, it's like, luckily for you, no one's going to believe them because these people are seen as kooks. Right. So they leave. The imps and Stolas leave. But they set this up. I love this at the end because you make it makes it feel like, okay, these guys may be coming back. We may have some kind of something may happen. But everything's caught on camera, if I remember correctly. Like at the end of this, everything is caught on camera and they've got their proof now that the that hell is real. And Mm -hmm. you're wondering what the next thing could be. What are these dorks going to do? It's a neat way of like keeping another thing open to revisit sometime later on down the line. If they do really enjoyed it. I mean, I had a good time with this one. Like I said, my favorite fight scene, I think of the series, it's just, it is complete badassery all over the place really is great again we get to see all four of them fighting the first time we've ever actually seen luna fighting and she she's like tearing agents apart with her teeth you know, <laughs> right full hellhound on these guys you know millie's running around with a freaking axe blitz and stolas have guns i freaking lose it every time he pulls out the rocket launcher and it actually has the words my dick written on it. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm Oh my god. That's great. Well, over on YouTube, I uh, love them or hate them, you can't deny Stolas knows how to make an entrance. Absolutely. Uh-huh. And I love how Stolas's true form is more like a raven than his normal owly self. Another connection to the actual depictions of Stolas in demonology is both a crowned owl with long legs and a raven. The amount of cultural research that went into him as a character is just dot 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 mad props. We went into a little bit of the demonology in the first episode that we did, just kind of looking at, you know, some of the stuff that was on the Internet, uh, kind of uh, inform us of uh, who these characters are based off of. They do their they do their research. They know what they're doing. And uh, next one says, I love how Luna can't read in the red emergency light. While dogs actually can see red in a sense, it's much weaker than our own. That in a setting like that, she'd be effectively blind. Her sense of smell would let her keep track of people. But yeah, definitely couldn't read. Great touch. That is nice. Think about that. That is a nice touch. I I remember someone pointing out when that episode came out, it's like, and she didn't just use her cell phone to light the book. Why? And I was like, like, okay, yes, point taken. But she's obviously panicking like everyone else is. Right. Well, it's going to bring us to Hell of a Boss, Season 1, Episode 7, Ozzy's, the finale, part one. So Halloween 2021, Hell of a Boss, episode seven drops. So this is all about, well, I'll say all about. I mean, this is about the imps. This is about Moxie and Millie and uh, Blitz. So Moxie and wants to take Millie out to the lust ring of hell. It's specifically a place called Osmodius. Asmodeus has his own club. <laughs> uh, and uh, Moxie wants to take Millie there. For a fun evening. Uh, but Blitz is like, oh, I'm coming. I'm coming along. And no matter what, Moxie cannot convince, or at least somewhat subtly hint, like, no, Blitz, you're not invited. But he invites himself anyway. And 
I remember when I'm watching this and I full disclosure, I just watched it like shortly before we got on here. I remember thinking like, okay, Blitz, what, what's the deal? You ain't got to be that much of a dick. What is going on? I am enthralled with the idea of why Blitz wants to go along with them on their own personal night. The episode does not let me down as to kind of explaining why. So they go into this club and the club is for couples only. Blitz can't get in. So Blitz has to call, uh, has to find somebody to go in there with. And he reaches out to Stolas. So Stolas says, yep, no problem. I'll be there in 20. And when he says 20, he means 20 seconds uh, because he is ready and ready to go. <laughs> he is dressed up to the nines. Blitz and Stolas go into the club. You watch as Moxie and Millie are enjoying their evening and Blitz is basically ignoring Stolas and has his binoculars on Moxie and Millie. So I'm like, well, what is going on here? So what were your thoughts going into this episode and what Blitz was doing? Did you have any angling as to why he was doing this? We talked briefly about this in a previous episode. Blitz, he really does have trouble with the idea of friends. He is really scared to get close to people because he genuinely thinks that they're going to leave him, you know, and we see a lot of that actually in this episode. One of the things that I noticed, though, I mean, it was like it was borderline obsession. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like he goes into the club. He's got Stolas. Stolas, by the way, who is just, you know, on cloud nine, the fact that he got to go. He's going out with Blitz. This is their first actual date. This is right. not, hey, do you want to come over and have sex? This is right. A date date. There's a, this is actually a nice touch. Uh, but when we see Stolas in his palace having cereal for dinner, how depressing. Lucky Charms. Yeah, I'm sitting there. I'm like, that's definitely Lucky Charms. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he's watching a soap opera. The character he's watching has it has black hair with a white streak in her hair. When he gets done up, he adds a white streak into his hair. Oh, wow. But there was a, I was like, I did not catch that the first time I saw it. I was like, oh, my God, he's emulating the soap opera star that he was watching. Name of, name of the soap opera was Hella Novella. <laughs> because, of course, it was. Of course. This episode also brings in an interesting uh, fact that I don't think that, well, Blitz is clearly not emotionally ready for them to have an actual relationship. Stolas isn't either because it's clear it's not okay so we don't know a lot about the hierarchy in hell mm-hmm. other than you know Lucifer is king and Stolas is a prince but it seems pretty clear that Osmodius is either on the same level as Stolas or he's higher right because right. when the when because yeah he outs Stolas he's like you know in the middle of the club he's like Stolas are you actually dating an imp? And Stolas is freaked out and he is embarrassed and scared. And that's also clearly hurting Blitz. It's evident that he was kind of hoping that Stolas was going to stand up for him and he didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let's talk about Osmodius here real quick. So Moxie set up this whole night so he could go on stage in this lust club um, to perform a song for Millie. I love you more than the brimstone loves the fire, more than the Elsa loves her bub, more than a maggot loves gangrenous stubs. You make my spirit sing. Yeah, you make me glad I live in hell. Our love is a story sweet. And it is by far, of course, the most genuine heartfelt song about love. (laughs) 
that you could get from these guys. At that point, Osmodius shows up and he is very, very upset about the fact that this is not a real raunchy song about, you know, getting it on. And it's happening on stage in his club. So he shows up and he does this whole song about this is all it's got to be about lust. You want to hang around this lustful town? Ditch the loving dummy before we knock you around. Here we sing about wars and desire. Depravity, savagery, loins hotter than fire. So give me a Boxy, of course, you know, gets the opportunity to get in there and finish his song. And they're like, all right, how are you going to lust it up? And of course, he doesn't. He he, uh, at, you know, he finishes the song out. And that's, of course, it's the most lovely song ever. By the end of it, Moxie and Millie are being lifted into towards the ceiling in this club on this pedestal or whatever. And they're kissing. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And it's wonderful. When Stolas and Blitz leave, Blitz is like, you know what? Let's get out of here. Uh, and Stolas is like, OK, let's go. They're walking out, and that's where somebody pointed out to me that Stolas is embarrassed because he's almost like hiding his face so Osmodius doesn't see him yeah. as he's walking by him. You feel for both of these people. You you kind of want them to have something with each other. You want Blitz and you want Stolas to have something with each other, but a lot of things are working against them. Number one, themselves, and number two, also it looks like society is going to have uh, something to say about their relationship as well. The sense that I got was like Blitz is really, I, I talked about him being obsessive. He's got the binoculars out. He's watching Moxie and Millie. Like he had to go with them on this date. Mm -hmm. And it's, I, I think he just wants in some fashion what they have, but he has no idea how to get it. <laughs> that's my, that's my take on it. So staying close to them is basically the only way he can experience it. Yeah. Like that's the only way that he knows. And it's almost like, okay, is he watching so he could learn how to get what they have? Or is it, uh, you know, the boundaries thing? Is it the fact that he doesn't want to be away from them because he might miss what they're having in some way. He does not want to miss anything. It's really sad. And I mean, when you realize that, and then you watch what happens when he goes home, that is heartbreaking. Yeah. If you don't get a little choked up at the end of this episode, then you clearly don't have a soul. And I realize the irony in discussing the show and saying that, <laughs> but right. yeah, they go. So he drops Stolas back off at his palace. And he mentions that uh, his daughter, Octavia, is with Stella, to which I'm going to take a wild guess that Stella has moved out of the palace. Mm -hmm. it, not confirmed, but the way he says that, I'm assuming so. Plus the fact, I'm sorry, the fact that he's alone in his palace having lucky charms for dinner just screams, my wife and kid are gone. Yeah, they've, I'm, I am alone. They've left me. Yeah, and he invites uh, Blitz in, and Blitz is like, I'm not in the mood for sex. And Stolz is like, well, let's watch a movie. Let's just sit on the couch and talk or cuddle. You know, it's clear he does want to turn this into a relationship and Blitz just refutes him. He says, no, this isn't a relationship. This is just you wanting to have sex with me. And that's it. And he and drives off and he Stolas is heartbroken. What I hated about that is I wanted Stolas to say something, but their relationship is so messed up. Like I, and again, I say the relationship, but they themselves, I don't think, understand what they could possibly have and how to actually get it. Like, I'm waiting for Stolos to say, no, that's not the case. That's not what I want here. But he doesn't. Mm -hmm. He's like, OK. And he just lets Blitz leave. And you're like, what are you doing, man? Like, if if uh, just go in and talk, I'm, I'm yelling at Blitz. I'm yelling at Stolas. I'm like, why aren't you guys letting this work? 
But yeah, then we get the scene with uh, Stolas going back to his apartment. We see that Luna's gone out for the night. Uh, not, again, nice little uh, nod to a previous episode. She leaves a note saying that she's out with Tex, Vortex, the hellhound. Right. Who, I should add, is also voiced by uh, James Monroe Englehart, who voices Osmodius. Oh, okay. All right. And, yeah, and I hate to I put Actually, after that episode came out, I did post on a... Uh, a uh, hell of a boss fan board said, can we just agree that this guy has a voice like freaking butter? <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh my God. James Monroe Englehart, you have the sexiest voice I have ever heard. <laughs> oh my God. I could, I love hearing this man play these roles. He, it is so good. And yeah, he goes in, so he's alone and we see him start going through pictures on his phone and it's pictures of him when he adopted Luna we see pictures of him with uh, Verasica. Oh, yeah, Verasica's at the freaking club, too. That's right. Yeah, she shows up. I remember seeing that. Yep. Yeah, she's there as a performer, and she joins in uh, insulting uh, Blitz with Fizz. Just mm-hmm. it, The whole thing is just a whole horrible... And it's actually very tragic because the way it starts is they're insulting Moxie for, you know, not kowtowing to their ideas of what should be performed there. Right. And they're... And Blitz stands up for them. And, he's, and he stands up for Mc, Millie and Moxie. And all of a sudden, Fizz and uh, Veraska see it's like, oh, God, that's Blitzo. And it's like, hey, forget these two. Let's make fun of Blitz. Mm. And then that's when it turns into also making fun of Stolas. It's and, sad. It, 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 you know, what I love about, I mean, I guess what I love about all of that is the fact that no matter what they could do, Moxie didn't give a shit. You know, Moxie's like, I love this woman. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you guys say and what you expect me to do. I want to do something completely, uh, you know, honest. I'm going to do something true to my girl. Um, but yeah, and then they they see they're getting nowhere with Moxie. Like, oh, there's Blitzo. Let's get on that. Again, hashtag relationship goals. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, million bucks the other way. We all want to be. So and, as but, he's going through the pictures, tell me, because uh, we get on the one. Tell me what is the one that he's looking at that ends this thing? I hate to say it. That is actually something that I have seen debated about on the fan boards. Okay. Because I thought that was his mother and sister. We that's what did. I thought, too. That's that's where I was leaning. I was like, OK, he's I, I thought he was looking at it was him and his sister with his mom. So what have you seen? Well, we know that the younger one with him is his sister. In an earlier episode, there's a poster in the background. We know that Blitz used to be a performer. And in the background, right. there's a poster that says uh, the Imp Twins, Blitzo and Barbie or Barb Wire, Barbie Wire, something like that. Mm-hmm. We know that he used to be a performer with his sister. Some of the fans are saying that that's at the taller imp is also his sister, that he has two sisters. And I do think it's important to point out that the older imp, whether that's his mother or sister, she's wearing the, I don't know if it's a necklace or a bell or a bow or something, but whatever Stolas is wearing, she's wearing it in that picture. Oh, okay. There's a a lot of little Easter eggs in that. We also see him with Fizz, who we confirm is not a robot. He is an imp. Uh, The the Fizzerali robot that we saw get eaten by the dragon in Lululand is, was, it, it was just a, a toy basically that uh, they they made at that lululand mm-hmm. and fizzeroli and blitz were apparently childhood friends they even both have that same mark on their forehead i don't know what it is it kind of looks like a weird heart kind of a thing right yeah it looks like a heart yeah i mean it obviously at this at that broke him because at when he sees that 
I, I watched it. I, I mean, while I'm watching it, I've rewound it like a, a couple times because I needed to know, like, OK, can I figure this out? Who is he seeing? And I initially thought exactly what, like what you said in, at the beginning. I thought it was his sister and his mom. But I was like, why is this what horrible thing happened to where it broke him? Because I I am relating whatever he's seeing in that picture with what is going on, you know, between him and Stola somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't know how. So now that you're saying that there is something that kind of ties that person together with Stolas. I'm now I'm wondering, uh, this is so no, nothing's been definitive, uh, definitively said it's all f- fan theory right now. Correct. Yeah. Again, there are several YouTube channels devoted to coming up with theories about who that other imp was in the picture. What happened between Fizz and Stolas? What happened between, or I'm sorry, Fizz and Blitz. What happened between Blizz and Verosica? Right. I mean, something broke blitz. <laughs> We're going to find out what it is, I assume. But I feel like the clues are here to kind of show us that there was something that happened in his past that makes him self- as self-defeating. That's probably not the best word. He works against himself a lot of times. He just can't get over that. And there's there's a lot to be said about mental health with that. It's an important element to have in your series and kind of examine sometimes with characters. And I feel like that's going to be happening with Blitz. Like we are going to be trying to find out or try to understand why he is the way that he is. And I hope that we get more of it uh, for sure. Well, once again, we get another look at another ring. Uh, this time we're in the Lustring. And again, they do a really great job giving it a unique atmosphere. I love mm-hmm. the blue lighting. I love all the neon. And I love the design of Osmodius. Even just all the little background uh, images. Again, this is a Lust uh, club for couples. And you see some pretty interesting thing going on at some of the uh, tables around. Oh, I <laughs> no. wasn't paying attention. I should have been paying attention. Oh, uh, my goodness. Yeah, there's at least one where there's uh, there's an imp under another under the table, and there's an <laughs> with a very bizarre look on his face. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at like some drawings of Asmodeus right now, uh, the historical, I guess, depictions of Asmodeus. I wondered why when I was looking at this, or when I was looking at um, the animated, the the hell of a boss version, it looked like there was one main like head. And then there were like these two astral, like kind of spirit heads on each side. That's and right. Sure. Osgodius has three heads in the traditional Osgoetia images. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I was pulling up here. That that makes complete sense now. Doing something with three heads, it's very hard to not turn that into a Zaphod Beeblebrock's uh, <laughs> comedy bit. So kind of get something like that. Like he's almost got his own backup singers. It's kind of a nice touch. So credit for how they were able to do that. Yeah. Also, it looks so different from how we've seen any other demons on this show. He really leaves an impression. The fact that his head is, it almost seems to be like, at first you think it's a mane of like fur or feathers. It's right. fine. It's a mane of blue fire. It took, so- me, took me a few seconds to, well, I should say a few seconds. It probably took me like by the second verse of his song. <laughs> I was like, oh, again, a great way of bringing the lore into the story. They definitely do a great job of spinning it. Uh, to where it fits. And again, not only just James uh, Monroe Englehart, but also we get Alex Brightman back as Fizz. Uh, I mentioned this in the previous video. Brightman originated the role of Beetlejuice on Broad, and he's got such a fun voice. I love the little bit when he's pretending to play trumpet for Ozzy while he's singing. I just got to add my favorite line from that episode. Okay, keep that guy far away from me. <laughs> 
He's sitting there talking into that that uh, flower on his chest. Yeah, that was great. Like, I have four of them. Just like the, the look on his chest. Like, oh, God, it's one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, let me, you know, keeping him with the theme here. Hell of a Boss, uh, episode seven, going into the comments here. Top couple comments. We'll talk about those, or at least I'll, t- I'll say them. Yeah, the first one, the first comment hits at home. It's 57,000 likes. This was a funny episode until it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) And that is the truth. Very much. I don't think anyone thought this was going to be such an emotional whiplash. I mean, this was actually, it's kind of funny that they, this, the point of the plot of this is that it's Millie and Moxie's one year anniversary because this was released on the one year anniversary that the first, not the pilot, but the first episode of Hell of a Boss came out. That's right. Mm-hmm. The fact Stolas was so excited just to be shut down breaks my heart. And yeah, I, I've, wait, I've already talked about that. You just wanted something to work out there. Third comment here. I don't know how I just now notice this, but when, oh yeah, this, I actually, <laughs> I, this is the one thing that I actually said. I just, uh, I don't know how I just noticed this, but when Stolas says I can be ready in 20, he gets to Aussies after 20 seconds. So yes, he got ready in a hurry. So also credit to the animation department for Stolas's cape. It's got a masking effect on it. So it looks like he has moving stars. Right, right, right. I had that listed on my notes here. Like his starry cape was, I mean, he's just sitting there, but it looks amazing because they, you know, the stars are moving in his cape, which bring this, I mean, it just brings this great depth to what you're seeing on there. It also is interesting because if you know the Osgoisha, Stolas was a teacher of astronomy. That's why we see uh, in the first episode when he's in the bath and you see all the constellations around him. So it's a very fitting touch. Nice. Very nice. Believe it or not, this, uh, this fourth comment actually is going to help us transition into what's coming next. This comment says, to everyone who is asking, episode eight is being skipped and they are moving on to season two because they have been struggling with problems out of their control, like legal stuff. The the creator also seems to be stressed out working on both this show and has been hotel. Luckily, episode eight will be a bonus feature and season two will be out July 30th. So I did see this was from bubbleblabber.com. Yeah, bubbleblabber, June 7th announced hell of a boss season two start date announced and yes indeed it is announced for this has the trailer we were talking about july 30th so any idea let's let me just ask you real quick you you would know better than i do but have you heard anything about the whole struggle that they're talking about here where problems out of their control like legal stuff vizzy pub did tweet out that there was some serious issues beyond her control and she did mention there were legal troubles nothing has been confirmed i i will say this vizzy does a very good job of not overloading people with information on her tweets she's not giving out a lot of details so i am going strictly off of the rumor mobile here right a couple of weeks before this they released a gif showing that they were working on episode eight Uh, It was a very brief animation showing what looked like a bunch of hellhounds at a concert. So there is something there. There is a fan speculation that goes back to one of Vivzi's earliest animations. I don't know if you've had a chance to really go through her YouTube channel or much since the last time that we spoke. But one of her earliest animations was, and it was a cartoon that she did to a Kesha song with a, well, it was basically like a hellhound. Uh, singing and dancing to the music. Okay. A lot of fans are speculating that uh, we were actually going to see characters, specifically Luna, at a concert, and they were going to reuse that music. Oh, okay. 
either way, it does seem like the legal, again, purely rumor revealed, but the biggest thing people are saying is that whatever song they wanted to use in the concert, they got removed. It, it Basically, they got a cease and desist. Probably got, yeah, probably got. Unfortunately, that's just the way when it comes to music and music rights. Now, that stuff is, I mean, protected pretty heavily. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, that would, and if you built that animation completely around that song, good luck trying to find something else to kind of, you know, fit in there. You're not going to. You may have to redo a whole bunch of other stuff. Exactly. Um, and there is also the fact that yes, has been hotel again. She's been releasing the fir- the the looks at the at the characters from Has Been Hotel uh, this year. We've seen uh, Charlie, Alistair, Vaggy, and Angel Dust. We've seen their new character design. So she's clearly very involved in that. And she can't give a lot of details on that either because obviously she is under a you know what do you call it when you're in a, under contract? You can't reveal details of an upcoming project. Is that NDA? Yeah, a non-disclosure agreement. Yeah, right, right. So, yeah, she's clearly under an NDA about that because it's not in her hands. It's in A24's hands. Right. So I I do feel bad that we have so – most of Vizzy's fans are incredibly understanding. They've got her back. They love her work. They know what she's going through. But there's still a lot of them who are, frankly, jerks. I've seen – of comments about the last episode was released on Halloween. It's summer. Where's the episode? And I've actually commented on there a few times like, oh, you want the episode to get faster? Go to the Shark Robot site and buy some, buy the merchandise. Right, right. Support Hell this. Of, I mean, Hellboss is completely self-funded by Vivzi and her team. All of the merchandise that is sold through Shark Robot goes to help make new episodes. I bought a t-shirt and a couple of, I have a pin that's going on my lucky jacket that says I'd rather be at Lululand. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Yeah, I mean, these people are getting these episodes for free. This is <laughs> YouTube, folks. I mean, and look at the animation style, okay? This is amazing. And it's good that Has Been Hotel got picked up by something that could possibly turn this into a money-making venture. Uh, clearly, I mean, you got your merch, but primarily the way you want to try and support the uh, the animator series. That's how you want to support Vincy Pop, because this it, is, it takes a lot of love. It takes a lot of time um, and a lot of effort to put a 20. This, these are 20 minutes one of the, I think it was episode six was over 20 minutes. I'm pretty sure. And yeah. you look at the whole season, the, that is a regular cartoon episode on, on a network television and ne- a network uh, television station at 20 minutes, 25 minutes is probably what you're going to see. Probably sh- sometimes even shorter than that. It's completely free. As long as you don't mind the usual YouTube ads and guess what, unless you're paying for YouTube bread, everyone's got those. Right, right, right. Uh, but yeah, walking out of this one, uh, these four, Episode seven obviously moved me. I like the dorks episode just because of the action. So when we look at the episodes as a whole, just because I love ghost hunters <laughs> and ghost adventures, I'll give truth seekers the nod, personal nod from me. But man, what an emotional note Ozzy's left with. You know, it was that was something that was it, it really hit home. But um, anyway, what, what are your final thoughts here on our uh, last four episodes of season one? I cannot stay, say, say, state. I tried to say say and state at the same time. It came out into a <laughs> non word. Um, how much I love Vivzy Pop's work. Hell of a Boss is easily my favorite series I 
again, I have watched these episodes so many times. I've watched reviews of these episodes so many times. I have like three reviewers who talk about this show. I have one uh, who discusses how when you actually look at the YouTube algorithm and what it looks for, Hell of a Boss should not be succeeding, but it is. And that's just a nod of how incredibly popular it is and how good it is. It's kind of like that discussion when Coldplay first came onto the scene and there was a lot of backlash against them because they had sold out and they were, you know, really getting a lot of mainstream attention. And everyone's like, well, then why do we like them so much? It's like, because they're that good. Right. Well, this has been fun. Alexis, I guess, you know, we've season two drops uh, first episode, July 30th. I don't know when we'll be getting back together. Hopefully it won't take us too long to do that. But, you know, when uh, to talk some more hell of a boss, I guess we'll go ahead and get into plugs. This has been a lot of fun. I hope everybody gets out there. Absolutely. Go support Vivzy Pop. Go check out the videos. Lot of great content on that website, uh, on the on the YouTube channel, especially. Um, but what was it? What was the name of the um Oh, you said something shark. What was it called? Shark Robot is a merchandise website that a lot of uh, fandoms go through. All of Vivzy Pop's work can be found on there. They have T-shirts, pins, plushies. Uh, they have the Stolas book as a notebook. You can get it lined or unlined. It's really oh, wow. cool. Wow. <laughs> Someone posted a picture today. Uh, they were dressed as, I think it was Angel Dust from Hasbin Hotel, and they got to meet Brandon Rogers, voice of Blitz. And they got him to autograph their copy of the book. And let's see if you remember this line, because he autographed it with the fuck is insurance. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That is really cool. That was great. But yes, uh, there's a lot of really great stuff on there. Beautiful pins. A lot of them limited edition. They have play mats. They have standees. They have, I think they have puzzles. Oh, wow. So if, I cannot stress enough, go support her because all of the money that is made from selling the merchandise is funneled back into making these episodes. This isn't one of those and 90% goes off to the CEOs kind of thing. No, the more you people buy, the faster the episodes will come out. That's right. That's right. Well, speaking of support, why don't we go ahead and get into plugs ourselves here? Uh, why don't you... Let everybody know, I guess, number one, if you're on the Rattelich and Broadcasting Network or other networks, let the people know where they can find you and definitely let the people know where they can support you. Alexis Haina, go for it. All right. Well, yes, I am contributing to the Rattelich and Broadcasting Network and also MCU's Bleeding Edge. We just did a review not too long ago talking about the live-action Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie and the new Pixar film Lightyear. That was me, Mark Radulich, and Robert Winfrey. Well, Robert Winfrey's voice, his cam his webcam apparently uh, finally <laughs> shot himself. Yep. So <laughs> he was on us, joined us for audio only. <laughs> so there's that. We're going to have a couple more shows coming up here pretty soon. Not too many, though, because July is a little on the busy side for me with the company, well, I should say the plug that actually pays my bills. And that mm -hmm. is... Rose Creations, where fashion meets fandom at the intersection of geek and chic purveyors of game geek jewelry. Like I mentioned, we just did a couple of conventions. We just wrapped one up in Hutchison, Kansas, a.k.a. the official Smallville. A lot of fun out there, and we are almost ready to head down for two shows 
in Texas. We're going to be heading to the Greater Austin Comic Con and Comic Palooza in Houston. We've done Austin a couple times. Love it. This is our first time doing Comic Palooza in Houston. I just found out that the actor who plays Homelander and the boys is going to be a guest there. I am really excited about this. Oh, yeah. It'll be a good time. Of course, you can always find us on our shops on Etsy and Handmade at Amazon. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Oh, and apparently I now need to start plugging Pinterest. We're also on Pinterest. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Good enough. But yeah, that is Honeysuckle Rose Creations, the intersection of geek and chic. Fantastic. Well, uh, I have my own source material comics feed. Mark Radlich calls me Mr. Big Time because I went and got my own feed. Listen, I've been putting all sorts of episodes over there, uh, trying to keep it at one a week. Uh, a lot of times you'll either hear me on source material, which is my own show, uh, where we talk about it's just like a book club for comics. Uh, we, we are going to be recording a it's going to be me, Alexis and Benjamin J. Cologne are going to be recording our thoughts on TMNT, The Last Ronin. So keep an eye out for that. That should be dropping here pretty soon. Uh, I do have uh, some fun episodes over there where I talked like did some solo stuff talking about uh, Count Ducula. I've got one in the can for Bayou Billy. There was a Archie series on the Nintendo Entertainment System game Bayou Billy. And it was five issues, believe it or not. But I've only did the first episode, or excuse me, the first issue. Uh, also talked Mad Balls, number one. Uh, so there's a nice little eclectic little bit of uh, podcast that I did for uh, source material. But Unspoken Issues, just recorded last night, should be airing at some point here soon. Me and Dean Compton and his significant other, uh, Emily Scott, we talked Star Trek, The Next Generation, and it's crossover with the X-Men, Borg Sentinels. That's what you get in that sucker. Well, that being said, I think we're going to get out of here. You can follow me at Stiznarchy on Twitter if you do so wish. Of course, we have the uh, Unspoken Issues podcast Facebook page, along with the Source Material Comics Facebook page. You can go check those out as well. For Alexis Haina, I am Jesse Starcher. We're going to get out of here. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Hail Satan. Stupid jokes, I'll never take you for granted I'll always give you my best And if you can offer the same fate, we'll handle the rest Cause I love you Cause I love you